Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SLP Happy Hour podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm an SLP in private practice. And if you like today's topic, which is cancellation policies for private practice, consider booking a coaching session with me where I can answer any questions you have about starting a private practice. As this is recording, I am just planning on doing those coaching sessions for a short period of time, so you can check in and see if I'm still offering them at slphappyhour.com forward slash coach. If you enjoy the podcast and you want to connect with me, including monthly or so emails, sign up at slphappyhour.com forward slash newsletter, and the show notes for our website are always available at slphappyhour.com. Now, on to the show. Lately, I've been asking SLPs who own their own clinics, what is the hardest part of private practice for you? The answer isn't therapy techniques, insurance billing, or navigating business expenses. It's boundaries, and in particular, enforcing a cancellation policy. And I agree, having boundaries in general has been challenging as within my own solo practice. And here are some examples of boundaries I've had to enforce lately. Payment is due at the time of service or I can't carry on with your appointment. I do not offer free sessions, free screenings, or free consults. I do not offer free attendance at IEP meetings. And I do not offer sessions after 5 p.m. to new clients. A bit on this, right now I work until 6 p.m. several nights a week, and I'm committed to doing that for those students until they graduate. I also do not offer sessions on Saturdays. Lots of families ask, ask for that and wish I did. The boundary I enforce the most often, however, is my cancellation policy. Right now, all my clients have been respectful of this, but as I onboard new clients who start to work with me, I really do have to train them in what to expect from a cancellation policy. For reference, I'm a solo private practitioner. The issues I'm discussing today may be complicated by other factors, like if you are an employee or a contractor at a larger clinic, or if many of your insurance plans have rules that don't allow you to charge no-show or cancel fees. So I'll share what I've learned from my experience and go ahead and take what's helpful and leave the rest as it works or doesn't work for your particular situation. Many SLPs I've talked to have concerns about cancellation policies. They mention that not every insurance will allow you to even charge them, which is true. They worry that it can harm relationships with parents. And my opinion on this is you can do it in a reasonable way. And if others have an unreasonable reaction or big feelings about it, it was probably not about the policy in the first place. And other concerns I've heard from SLPs who work at bigger clinics is that if other SLPs who work there don't enforce the cancel policy, you become the bad guy. And I totally agree here, and I'd like to see more SLPs band together and agree to enforce these policies so that we as SLPs can get paid for the time that we had reserved for those students. So here are the basics of my policy and how I run things. I request 48 hours of notice or more for things like planned vacations, school events, and other obligations that families know about ahead of time. I need 24 hours of notice for sickness whenever possible. So you can probably already see that there's some room for movement here. People can cancel the same day in cases of sudden illness or family emergency and I won't charge them. 
Could people lie and say their kids suddenly became sick or their aunt died? Sure, but I choose to believe that families who can do give me notice, and I feel confident about that for my current caseload, although that hasn't always been the case, especially when I was starting up. So my process is that I directly let parents know if they no-show or late cancels, I cannot pay my expenses or pay myself. When I started my clinic, I was told by other SLPs to not say this. I was told to always make it about their child and the child's progress and to say something like, in order for your child to make meaningful progress, I need them to be coming weekly. But I found this doesn't actually motivate parents and I have not seen any increase in my absences when I say that. So here's a new tactic I take. I'm honest and direct. When I first meet a family, I'll say something like this. When you book a session, I count on that income so I can pay myself. When you cancel with less than 24 hours notice, I can't pay myself and I can't find another student to fill that spot. And when enough families do that, I can get to the point where I can't pay my bills or pay myself or my salary. So I will be enforcing my cancel policy because I have to, because I want this business to be around in five years so that I can continue to support children in developing communication. Is this too honest? I truly don't think so. This helps parents understand I'm not being mean, I'm being practical. I do not say this to them every time they cancel, but I do let parents know about this when they first start to work with me. So how do you enforce a cancellation policy? First, make sure it's written and give it to all clients when they start to work with you. So in my intake documentation, they have to sign that they agree to the cancellation policy. Also, at our first session together, sometimes I have time to do that during the evaluation session, sometimes I don't, and I have this conversation with parents during their first treatment session. I explain the policy verbally and why I have to enforce it, and I also provide it to them in writing. I tell them I can print it out or give them the URL. Um, so there's a website, my clinic website lists my cancellation policy, so it's freely available to read at any time clients want to. That way I can email that URL to families when they start to work with me, and I can email it to families each time they cancel so they can review it and reorient themselves to the policy. And this has really saved me time retyping it out over and over again within email copy. And it's also saved me bandwidth because I'm not repeating the policy. So if you go to my clinic website, which is not my clinic website, but essentially if you go to myclinicwebsite.com forward slash cancel, anyone can see my cancellation policy. So let's walk through the process. Here's an example. A family cancels with less than 24 hours notice for illness. It's the first time they've done this. I do ask parents to always cancel appointments by emailing me, and that is the system to follow. I do this so that I can respond and send them my canceled document website as a response. So for example, for the first cancellation, let's say it's the same day cancel, I'll say something like this. Thank you for letting me know. I understand illness comes on suddenly sometimes. If you ever know the day or night before, go ahead and send me an email then so I have a chance to fill the spot. And as a reminder, the cancel policy is at, and then I give them the link and link the policy. Let's walk through the policy for another scenario. A family says, oh, we're leaving today for a week-long vacation. Billy will miss his session today. I'll respond, that sounds like a lovely trip. You will be charged $45 for late cancellation. As per the agreed upon cancellation policy, you can review the policy you agreed to here, and I'll link it. And then I say, I'll see you next week. And a word on, I 
I know several clinics that charge in full for sessions that are late canceled like this. I don't do that now, but I probably will get to that point at some point. So next question, are we allowed to charge a no-show or cancellation fee for all clients? No. For example, in my state of Oregon, it's unclear to me if I can charge a cancellation fee or not. And I've heard so much conflicting information that I just choose not to for Medicaid. I also have heard of other private insurance plans that in their contracts say you can't charge a no-show or cancellation fee, but I can charge the fee for the insurance plans I see. So yes, a portion of my caseload is also Medicaid. I don't take Medicaid, but I can't charge this fee because they're Medicaid and I'm being cautious. So if you're not sure about the insurance plans you work for, you can call them or you can review your signed agreement with them. So what about if you have a family who cancels with late notice a second time? To review the first time I've responded with a nice email and I've charged them. The second time this happens, I just run the card on file for the cancellation fee. I don't remind them. They've been reminded many times now, once at intake, once for their last cancellation, so I go ahead and run the card. If they ask me about the charge later, I can remind them of the multiple times that we've already discussed this and that from now on this is what will happen for late cancellations. I think an important part of this is that when people cancel, you are sending them the policy link to remind them. So they've already gotten a fairly recent reminder of that policy. So what do we do about a late cancel the third time? I'm going to charge the card per my policy. And at this point, I take it on a case-by-case -case basis and I either exit them or I talk to them about their attendance. It really depends on you know, is this a student that's in an area of expertise for me? Are we making progress? So if there are multiple things that are impacting their progress, and I think that they'd probably do better somewhere else anyway, I might exit them. I might talk to the family about taking a break from services, or I might give them one more try. So the thing is, it rarely gets this far, so it probably only happens once or twice a year. So that's why I'm a little more murky with this one, I suppose. And it also depends on so many client factors, like what is the area of need? How often have they been coming? What's their overall attendance? So I've also referred these clients to other clinics and said like, hey, it sounds like now is not a good time. Do you want to take a break? I can also refer you to another practice. And yes, I've let those other SLPs know about the late cancels. And yes, the other SLPs usually still want those referrals. So it is what it is. Everyone is different with how many cancellations they their practice can absorb. How does this look in practical application when kids just pick up a lot of viruses and bugs? So I do understand kids get sick. I understand it happens unexpectedly. So for most cancels that are same day for sickness, again, I'm not charging that late fee because it's something that just happened that parents didn't know about ahead of time, right? And I've even had situations where parents have emailed me and said like, oh, the kid threw up in the car on the way to speech therapy, so we're turning around, or the kid threw up at school, I'm going to pick him up, I'm letting you know as soon as I know that, you know, he won't be in to speech this evening. And I don't charge for that. And that's just the way I do it. It's not the best way. It's just what I do. I also plan for there to be canceled sessions and I overbook myself a little bit. So I overbook myself by my cancel rate. I'll talk you through how I do it. So if my cancellation rate is about 15 to 20% of sessions canceled, which is about that more or less, I'll overbook my schedule by 15 to 20%. So for me, this means I'm adding about six sessions per week to my minimum number of kids that I need to be seen to pay myself 
the salary I want, pay my expenses. So I take what do I need for a full-time caseload, and then I'm adding about six sessions a week to that. So if you are part-time, that percentage would be a smaller number or fewer students. And of course, I can't guarantee that your cancellation rate will be what mine is. So start taking data now of what are your average number of cancellations per week, or what is the percentage of students seen that cancel. You'll be glad you did that so that you can adjust your schedule to account for that. And by overbooking myself a little bit, I have really reduced my own financial stress. So what do I do about summer cancellations? Families going on vacation and kids at camp means that if I don't plan ahead, summer can be a dry season for my business. This can cause financial stress that I like to avoid, so I do a few things to address this. First, I, found, I find out early about families' vacation plans. I ask in late spring. Once I know more, if clients are going to miss more than three to four weeks of summer, I ask them to take the summer off so I can fill that spot with someone temporarily on the waiting list. And then when they return in the fall, they can go back to their same spot. So to fill that spot for just the summer, I'll do an evaluation and take someone from my waiting list and I'll let them know that it's a temporary spot that's available just for the summer. Or I'll offer that spot to a client who already comes once a week and has been wanting twice a week therapy. So what about kids who are sick a lot. This has happened to me and it's really an individual decision. And to be completely honest, I need to be better at tracking attendance so that I can have a policy about this and actually follow up on it. So my written policy is 80% attendance is required, but to be fair, I'm not always tracking it. So if I have a client where I'm like, wow, they've been gone a lot, I'll run the numbers, but I'm not running attendance numbers for everyone weekly because I just haven't wanted to take the time, to be honest. So I also know other practices that say you need to come for three out of four sessions at least three months in a row, or you need to be coming for six out of eight sessions. I just like to look at my month calendar and if someone's canceled, I'm like, oh, did they also cancel once or twice last month than the month before? So my tracking is very in the moment and not structured, and it could stand to be a little more structured. I could run an attendance report for each child weekly or monthly, but I'm not doing that yet. So that's it for today. I hope this episode was helpful as we discussed the cancellation policy at my clinic what to do about scheduling in the summer so you don't need to be financially stressed, what to do about people who are giving you that 24 to 48 hours notice but still cancel a lot and have low overall attendance, how to determine if you even can charge a no-show or cancellation fee, and practical examples of how to enforce this policy. And I forgot to say, no-shows are not really tolerated at my clinic because the waiting list is so long. So if someone has a no-show, I typically let them know that if it ever happens again, I won't be able to see them anymore and I'll refer them to another clinic. So that's my no-show policy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the SLP Happy Hour podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show and learned something new as we discussed implementing a cancellation policy in private practice. If you are someone thinking of starting a private practice, I really want to encourage you. You can do this. There's a lot to learn. There are definitely hard parts, and it's also so, so rewarding. So I hope this episode was a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. Until next time.